Welcome to Soul Talk, a podcast founded and created by Monica Ramirez, the warrior of love. Soul Talk was created in 2020 when a pandemic hit and we were in lockdown. She wanted to have exciting conversations with open-minded people so they could understand different aspects of herself and she could help others in the same way. She interviews healers, coaches, therapists, psychics, readers, channelers, mediums, intellectuals, poets, artists, and more. She calls it Soul Talk because it started as a conversation from soul to soul. Hello everyone, this is Monica Ramirez, the Warrior of Love, and thank you for being here in Soul Talk. Today we have a shaman that works with that energy. Her name is Kate Graham, and she's going to tell us a little bit about who she is and how she works with people and all those little things that we need to know. So like that, it can open us to a different kind of world. Thank you, Kate, for being here in Soul Talk. And uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. What do you, how do you go where you are? And how was your, your beginning? Absolutely. It's a really, it's actually a beautiful way you just phrased that as well, um, which is that there's a whole other world, a whole non-ordinary world <laughs> and taking into, you know, taking you into my world a little bit is taking you into the non-ordinary, which exists for all people. So I think where I got started with um, shamanic work specifically was, um, I, I think it's a multi-layered question. I tend to actually answer it differently depending on context, who I'm talking to. But to sum it up, I had psychic dreams as a youth, uh, and I knew there was a big move happening in my family way before it actually happened. And then when I was in my preteen years, just reaching adolescence, I had seizures, which later was informed to me that this is a bit of a shamanic initiation. The reason being when we have these uh, seizures, especially the kind I had, which were absent seizures or petit mal, your mind just floats off to some other place <laughs> and you have no idea, no recollection. Your brain almost just resets and refreshes, which is very disillusioning when you're used to just being in your day-to-day moment-by-moment reality, especially, you know, I was only about 12 years old, maybe even younger when I had gotten first diagnosed. So I was doing actually a lot of religious and spiritual searching and seeking because I had grown up in a Catholic school. And then around that time, I was doing all this seeking and trying to understand what do I truly feel within this, you know, um, divine realm, however that felt at the time, then these seizures came up. So I was told it was a bit of a shamanic initiation, almost training my brain to leave this realm and come back to um, this current physical reality in this earth plane um, that we're in, except at the time, I wasn't grabbing messages. So it really didn't feel very comfortable. <laughs> um, it felt very unsettling, almost like time was just being lost. And then in my uh, college years, you know, high school, fairly normal. I was very high achieving and sort of forgot about the spiritual path being so important. But I started getting late high school, a ton of mental health. Really, uh, everything got really exacerbated. I had these panic attacks and PTSD. And every day I was very detached, very depersonalized. Um, I had some really like level 12 anxiety situations. I'm sure everyone who has anxiety would think that it's kind of part and parcel of how it feels. But after self-healing a lot of those things, the idea of, you know, who I was had actually felt really separated. And so shamanic work answered this feeling that I was having, which is that I felt not like myself after so much 
harshness that happened in my world. We all go through traumatic or painful experiences. And what shamans believe um, is that that is soul loss as we lose parts of ourselves. So, you know, have a heartbreak and you say that person, you know, left with a piece of me. It's very relatable. We all can relate to this feeling. And there's a subtle, ancient, primal understanding that we all have, we all have this skill to be able to tap into this non-ordinary realm and shamanism, depending on who you've learned it from, where culturally it's come from, has a lot of the same concepts, um, but gives you practices for actually recovering parts of yourself and parts of your soul back. There's a whole bunch of other healing modalities that I did leading me up to shamanism, but shamanism really does have a good way of wrapping around a lot of different things as well. Um, again, this might be depending on who you speak to. Uh, but for me, it answered this. I don't really understand what it is, but ow, deep bottom of the ocean, I'm not myself. And that was something that was really grating at me. It really, really bothered me on a you know day-to-day level, maybe more than your average person. So I found shamanism earlier. <laughs> And it is no um, so easy to at the same time to go to that transition. I I started also with uh, with seizures too, a small a small pole or small. I don't forgot the name, but you just mentioned it. Yes, that kind of uh, seizures and but even before I was for mom probably that's when uh, that's when my family detected. Hey, she's having seizures. Mm-hmm. I do remember going in and out of different realities. I don't know if that happened to you. That I was having great conversations with people that were around me. And I was really interesting conversations. And then suddenly it's like, Monica, with who you're talking? Like, come on, you don't see it? Like, are you doing fine? Are you feeling fine? And, and for me, it was just observing them. But they were in front of me. Like, right now we're... In fact, right now, I, I know this is a screen and we're in Zoom and so forth. But in those moments, I wasn't. Yes, I absolutely relate to that feeling of you're not quite there. And there's also something that doesn't feel super wrong about it until you see other people's reactions. I didn't know anything was happening until my parents probably started talking to me and I wasn't answering, <laughs> right? Because I'm completely somewhere else. But what I had noticed, and you probably noticed this as well, that before that, and in my past, I did a lot of daydreaming and it was a coping skill and a good, a good one, actually. It really opened my mind and allowed me to stay relaxed. And so when I was very stressed out and having a lot of anxiety later on in my life, this daydreaming ended up being like a savior because that's a positive place my brain could go to that was like actually escaping what I felt this current reality was. Um, and shamanism does the healing aspect of that same type of behavior, I think, in many ways, but it's very multi-layered. And I tend to work with a lot of highly sensitive people. And so I tend to meet a lot of people who have these types of early on experiences, not as many actually that share the seizure connection. So I always love when I find a fellow person who knows that experience. It is kind of unique. I wanted to ask you because he just, I was just talking right now with a friend that we were talking about uh, that many people have, the only human beings can have gifts, you know, and like you know, some of them, they have it more developed than others certain gifts and that doesn't mean that because they have certain gifts that doesn't mean that they're not going to have the other one if they have yes if they're able to to uh 
to feel or smell or hear, it doesn't mean that later on they're not going to develop other ones at the same time. Absolutely. And uh, my question with this one was that something that we were talking is how many people do you think that actually do not even know they are having these magnificent gifts? They're already working with them, but they don't even know they have them. So they're doing it unconsciously. Absolutely. I have so many things I want to say to this point. So maybe I'll see if I can get all of them out of my brain. The first one I was going to say is, yeah, some of the things for me, even growing up, were different than you had a sensation that you knew you were exploring other realms or that you were enjoying having conversations and these things. And for me, mediumship came way later, way later. When I was dating someone, their mom passed away. And then over time, she showed up through and, and really for the purpose of healing. Then I realized, oh, if that's possible, maybe I can talk to other people. And so you open the phone lines and you see how, how that goes. But for me, it was very confusing actually growing up because, well, I had psychic dreams. My dad said, oh, that's pretty normal. And I went, okay, I guess that's normal. And I didn't really think much of it. And then I also had, I have, you know, high claircognizance and high clairsentience. So I very much knew how people were feeling. I very much just knew things already. So they put me in a class for kids who learn really well because I was learning fast, but I also maybe just had access from other realms. Who knows if I ever really knew the answers to those tests or if spirits were giving them to me, but also clairsentience. I was very much seen as like an old soul. So anytime I hear someone who's been referred to as an old soul, I tend to think that might've been a challenging childhood because you feel like you don't fit for a very long time and you're trying to catch up with yourself. I'm not even sure I've still caught up with myself. I don't know if I feel my right. Do you feel your right age? <laughs> No, no. And, and, and the, something that I have here in common of the star seeds, even I don't mm -hmm. want to myself, uh, I work like someone to, not, not like work, a new age um, person, because I put me in a little square. Yes. And that doesn't let me grow. So I hate squares and I do not accept them, in fact. Yes. And, but I have heard from many of the community of uh, new age or star seeds or whatever that they don't fit in. And that's why they're looking for each other through internet, through many sites, whatever, yes. because they don't fit in and they feel alone at the same time. It's like the beautiful and terrible thing about the spiritual industry, right? That you start to see, okay, people are finding belonging. It's so beautiful. You're also finding there's a lot of egos really wanting to be the popular kid in class, <laughs> you know, or the the one who's well liked by everyone or the cool, the cool spiritual person. And um, it ends up actually a lot of people separate and from themselves, even in that process of building such an identity that is boxy. And I agree with you wholeheartedly a thousand percent. I cannot do labels and boxes. Even you saying that I'm a shaman at the beginning of this, I went, well, <laughs> <laughs> because you know it, it could feel like some other box it's some other label right um but the beautiful thing i think too with shamanic understanding is that there's like a role for everyone within community and the role is like we are meant to actually you know share all our tools with could shift so there are some people who will be shamanic in their approach to something so we were talking about this actually when we first met which was you know a shamanic approach to art um, which was very much part of, you know, shaman culture as well, um, that art be valued or dance and music be very highly valued for the spirit, for coming back to yourself and expressing your true, you know, soul. But then you also kind of get um, lots of different variations in between. And the competition that I see in the spiritual 
online or business world really is counterproductive to what I've ever known as divine order, which is that there's no real labels and there is room for all of us. We are constantly existing. How could there not be? It just seems really silly. Yes, I I do totally agree with you because in reality, we're all one and we forget. Absolutely. I say that my, my father actually is like an accidentally enlightened person uh, because he has taken such a perspective of looking at the world. I mean, there are some things I think as I, we all get to know each other, we see the ways in which we are very human. But there's something that has just always been very grounded and having an easy way of accepting and seeing how things are. Um, that I think a lot of people, when they chase spiritual practices, don't allow themselves to feel or to get the actual um to get the actual healing. And a lot of that actually is because we're up in our minds. So I was this way, very A type, high achieving. Again, I was in this gifted class. I was like, go, go, go. I'm still that way, but I really needed the spiritual understanding of, um, you know, my sense of time is not the sense of time. And so I don't need to be urgent or controlling about any due dates or things like that now, whereas that very much was a part of my past. But when you start to understand how everything works, the nature of things, it almost softens you into the feeling of spiritual fulfillment. So I think something that shamanism did for me specifically was I needed to let go of what I thought reality was and what I thought science could prove because everything else I'd done up to that point, I could rationally explain why it was healing for the body. <laughs> shamanism really forced me to suspend my disbelief, but also stay curious because there was something that was calling me. So it was very intuitively led that decision, like many of my decisions, but it was so intuitively led that I had to go, well, there must be something in it here. Well, I must just need to see something about this. And then it came so naturally when it was helped with my teacher to open this up and, uh, or just to understand the practice of how it works to get the kind of mental framework one might need to see things in that way. Um, and since then, it's been this ever expansive journey that I absolutely know how to explain. I absolutely know why it works, but it's so ancient. And so um, it's, you know, pre-colonization, pre-us having these lines and rules um, to such a degree that it's hard to translate everything, actually. So I find a lot of my time, I just spend looking at a wall and going, well, this makes sense to me on a spiritual, on a, you know, 5D, 6D plus up. And I think too, that some people in their lifetime will potentially not, I mean, in the spiritual community, you call it wake up. But I think there are many people that in their lifetime will not be able to have um, the blessing and the gift that it is to see things in the way that, you know, I've been gratefully, you've been gratefully exposed to. And one of the things that I'm most passionate about is making spirituality and shamanism almost as separate points but they can go hand in hand more accessible to people so that they understand how to translate it the way they've grown up and for this modern world and this detached world shaman is uh shamanic cultures are very connective we are connective online in a a different way we don't really have the same same sense of trust in our local communities for the most part um, especially in the western world and so it's very difficult to, you know, you wouldn't just go talk to someone down the street who says that they'll tell you, I mean, everything about your future, unless you had a good feeling about that, or unless you were already aware of this being possible. A lot of people write it off because it feels very counter to how they believe 
the world to work. So it is a lot of effort to try and unwrite this story that colonization and industrialization has created for our world. And the lack of shamanic tools, I think, is explaining why there's a lot of disease and suffering now in a way that feels almost unresolvable. Shamanism understands a lot more, I think, than um, than just, oh, we're going to go get a journey for an animal or we're going to go grab a child part or something like that. It's like so, so vast and interconnective the way that it works. Well, I wanted to ask several questions with that. Yes. Yes, not many people uh, are not going to wake up in this timeline because that was their choice where they, they choose. It is very hard to talk to them and try to explain them that because they're going to gaslight us because they do not understand that. They wanted to mm-hmm. have scientifically proved all these gifts or all, all this happening or all the dimensions and we can't. Mm-hmm. There are many things that there's, there's not explanation for that. Mm-hmm. So how do you try to explain them about their multidimensional beings living in the human experience? Yes. I definitely don't start with that. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely don't start with, hey, there's a whole bunch of multidimensional beings within you and your body is just a a container. And, you know, that is hard because actually that causes someone to feel more separate from themselves. That's not going to feel comforting to go back to. So what I do, um, and this is important for anyone who does this type of work, right, is you just meet some random person who really is unfamiliar. This happens often to me. And I'll say, well, you know, depending on what's going on in their life, I will definitely find a way to relate it back to this work. There's always a route to anything, any complaint someone has, I will find a way that it relates to something that they need healing with, right? Because our perspective shapes our world and how, how we, how we feel within it. So if you're having a really awful view of things, you know, I, I think of standing in line at the Tim Hortons, uh, you, you might not have Tim Hortons, but, um, <laughs> Just like a McDonald's, standing in line at McDonald's or something. And um, someone starts talking to you about how bad the weather is, right? And then you say, well, I see nature as beautiful. I think it's a beautiful reminder that we're not in control. And I've had this conversation, you know, in a coffee shop lineup. Well, I love the feeling that we're not in control, that nature's actually, you know, our guiding force. And and it's sort of a good reminder, eh? We're just human, is what I said. And the person went, wow, I've I've really, I didn't expect that. <laughs> Never heard that <laughs> answer. Um, and so it, it said nothing about you need to know that you're spiritual. It said nothing about shamanism is the way, and, you know, it doesn't have any tone of that, but it says, I can relate to you uh, that you're feeling like you're suffering. Here's a way that I'm looking at it that opens my feeling up. Or I'll say to someone, you know, I, I feel like I might look at it this way which way do you like looking at it? And they'll always say they prefer the way that I've looked at it. It helps to open up their mind to possibilities that they didn't see before. And that practice of opening up your mind to possibilities that perhaps you didn't see is like a step towards opening your mind to the intuition or non-ordinary. Something that I encounter all the time within our community is like, oh no, this person is never going to wake up. And I hear them. (laughs) The matter of waking up is just a second. It can happen so fast. A moment. Exactly. Just, oh, I get it. And that's that's it. And we never know who's going to wake up or who's not because we don't know if they change their mind, if they change their choice or or they have a deeper understanding that second. 
So that is a lot of ego saying, I'm superior, you're inferior, and you're going to be asleep and I'm awake. And it's and, not in divine nature because isn't nature always shifting and changing? Doesn't mm-hmm. it always adapt to circumstance, right? So it doesn't really make sense that someone who is connected to divine energy would ever think that all humans um, or that any one human, it is actually, it is, I cannot think of a single human as flawed as they may be, that I don't have a belief that it is possible that they, they could have real radical soul, you know, life-changing transformation in their lifetime. I believe that of every person, even the ones that we think of as really dark or really evil, they actually have a lot more, you know, that is able to be worked with, right? Is because they have a lot more tumultuousness that is actually able to be, it's more the middle line walkers that are scarier, to be honest, because they're all right with this complacent walk the line of gray. Whereas people who are suffering are a lot easier to say, actually, there's something here we can do this with. When people have this quiet lack of fulfillment that just grates at them over time, these might be people that on their deathbed have their soul revelation. It happens, right? That take me to the question that I asked you earlier. Like Mm -hmm. how many people are that they're they're having their gifts, they're they're using their gifts, but they're not self-aware. Yes. Those are the people that can become more dangerous because they're not self-aware what they're doing. They can be controlling others through thought. They can be reading people and and be manipulating them and so forth because they have information that they, the other person is not a self-aware. That is the more dangerous people because the line between the light and the dark, it is free will and respecting each other in that free it's will. It's a choice, a choice yeah. to walk the light side, right? It requires it's effort. So <laughs> thin line. It's such a thin line. It that very if you just, uh, if We are not respecting the free will of someone. In that moment, that's where we're breaking the, we're passing through the other side. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I would say anything we do that's not in, I'm calling it divine order, which is not actually the word that I would always use for it. But if it's not in a way that feels like it makes sense to your connection with divine it and, and source or, or God or any energy that people use, it really begs you to think, why do I think? that that's okay here in this physical plane and in this physical realm. And we have a high responsibility of, um, so, I mean, I work with this empath energetics program, teaching people to develop their intuition and to expand this. And with that, I mean, they're making a choice to open. It also comes with the shadow, right? So we do shadow work and then we do light work and then we do legacy work because I am not okay with doing shadow and light and focusing on the person And not saying, what are you going to do with the world? And how can we bring this light out and forward? Because it's when we miss that community and contribution piece at our hearts that I think we do get egoic and in modern colonized mindset, rather than in breaking down, opening up and being more close to nature, which is how a lot of spiritual and shamanic folk end up leaning. Welcome. In choosing to be part of this group, you have said yes to yourself. You've chosen to confront those limitations keeping you from achieving the life of your dreams. Monica Ramirez, Warrior of Love, is a transformational belief coach. She's a psychic channeler, certified NLP, life coach, BQH, that is hypnotherapy, Akashic Records reader, public speaker, writer, and artist. She works with many modalities and has created her own, like this one, to help you let go of the limitations and achieve the transformation you desire so you can anchor your emotions that you desire. Monica will be hosting a new session every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Central Time. 
leading the group through a guided meditation, then proceeding to work with people individually. So join Monica here in this free journey by joining the Zoom link. What is the difference between uh, how would you would differentiate the shamanic work from the new age work? Let's put it like that. Right? But yeah. I know I put it in boxes, but for our Wait. least to understand. That's why we have words, right? We got to try somehow. It's the human flaw that we're always trying to explain stuff and define it, right? So here we are doing the same thing. <laughs> we're the fools now. <laughs> um, but it's true. So um, with shamanic work uh, versus maybe new age or spiritual, um, what I would say shamanism to me is, and, and this can be different because depending on where the culture originated from a lot of shamanic culture um, and tools have been like wiped out because of colonization. So to me, it's a reclaiming of our natural human and communal essences, but with our modern understanding. So I love the idea of like neo-shamanism or modern shamanism, because I don't want to say what I'm practicing is what people practiced years and years ago. I do see a lot of similarities but it has, it does look different. The practices look different. Even some of them, some of them probably look the exact same. And with new age and spiritual work, um, I do find there are more of these uh, potential dangerous loops that people get into um, because there's a lot of crossover also into the coaching realm, which is attitudinal and, and perspective based and not so much including the spirit unless they choose to. So there's a very wide, vast, and I mean, if anyone's walked into a bookstore recently and seen how many self-help books there are compared to say 20 years ago, very different, very different. It almost takes up half of chapters indigo <laughs> um, that it's all self-help and self-care. And it's because we are a society that's screaming for these answers. Um, and so the spiritual and the new age, I don't see necessarily harm, but I have always personally resisted the term new age as well, mostly because I think to believe that there is a new age, almost I, I hear a lot of times a disgust with this current age. And that's really no way to repair and heal what we currently have going on is to see this current time as broken or, you know, not salvageable, or we need to go to a new place. So um, like renewed age, maybe would be better for what I feel I'm aiming for a renewal of our primal essence, the way that we used to be. I studied you know, yin yoga, and I studied Thai massage, and I study uh, shamanism. And also, I think a lot of my uh, fascination, even with history or medieval times, it all relates to actually, all my aromatherapy study even was more like what are ancient practices that we've used. And I think there's a lot of lost wisdom. And I really feel that personally, as a personal mission, I think to bring back a lot of these lost wisdoms and shamanism wraps up a lot of those in a way that makes sense to how I've felt like everything in, in life has their own limitations, including shamanism. Yes. It Absolutely. is uh, a patriarch society. It has... And it depends because actually the Celtics, it was not patriarchal. So the Celtic shamanism, and this is why I think it's fascinating because if it's pre-colonization, we're going, okay, we were in some, maybe some primal, you know, law and order type situations. Okay, this is just how that was working. Um, but nowadays that doesn't have to be a limitation, right? But it needs to be really held within that because there are a lot of shamanic cultures that have um, traversed through time and stayed with certain roles like that, that, yeah, you're only allowed to be here. You're only allowed to be here. And so I do embrace a fairly rule free, um, you know, experience. I think that it's meant to be a felt uh, rediscovery of 
your own self. Uh, however, there are many people who do shamanic work where I wouldn't say that's the same type of work that we're doing. Um, and yet some of the same practices are still there. So it's not all problematic. I personally just really love bending all the rules. I think you're similar to me that we're, we're here to kind of be the way showers of, yeah, you don't actually need all these lines. I bet you a lot of those people practicing in those older ways that are not as rooted with divine would probably open up to it if exposed to a safe environment where that made sense. And I feel like when we're channeling and we're working with those energies and healing process and so forth, we have our ancestry. And I'm not talking about ancestry of my mom and dad. No, I'm talking about our ancestors that we're, they're working with us as, a, as our guides. Mm -hmm. That's the medicine that we're working in. And each person is different. And yes. ancestry doesn't come from the new age. It comes from actually from really eons. Exactly. So that is the medicine that we are working. So like in my case, every time I'm working with someone that it is a little bit psychic, says, oh, you're a shaman. Like, no, I'm not a shaman because I don't want to put myself in that square. Yes. Uh, for the new age uh, shamanism that I, that I have observed in some dances and sweat lodges and being around American Indians. I don't want to be part of that. Mm -hmm. uh, and nothing that I have, nothing against them. But just, I don't like squares. And uh, and any square, including New Age, um, I, or even if I'm a Reiki master, I don't even use Reiki, uh, Reiki in, in the regular uh, protocols. Yes. Creating my own modalism where I don't have to follow rules. That's exactly it. I, yeah, I entirely agree. And I think, you know, part of the reason for me going to Scotland to study shamanism was so that I could have this ancestral connection. I'd never known my grandparents in this lifetime. And I really felt that loss of like, wow, I just wish I knew any family beyond mom, dad, and sister, you know? Um, and so it brought, actually it brought ancestors back to be a part of my, what I would call my upper realm council in that in that time. And it felt so restorative and healing. And I think probably a lot of us on earth have this same feeling of wounding of culture loss. And that's, there's, there are some ways that we could bring this back, but not with the rules, not that you have to sit here and that you can't touch this. And it just doesn't make sense to me. It really doesn't. Or simply if you're a woman, you're in your moon time. Yeah. Call it, and your, your energy is so strong that I'm so scared from it. We're so, so powerful when we bleed. We just got don't, 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 don't come I mean, into the land because or else you're in your moon time and and you bring bad juju. It's not bad juju. It's just they're scared of us. Yes. <laughs> yes. It may be bad juju for them, but but we're not bringing it, right? They're they're allowing that. And that's, you know, it interesting because what is another way that I describe shamanism and to make it make sense to people who think on a more linear or a more modern kind of way, um, what I say also is the same place that we're daydreaming in, the same place that we go in hypnotherapy or in a really deep meditation or a really nice bath or something like that, where you're able to get visions, or when you're dreaming at night, is the exact same frequency brainwave that shamans use when they do journeying. It's a really restorative and healing practice for all humans. All of us are capable of doing it. Should we break down these walls between what we think this reality is and what non-ordinary could be. And it really is meant to be this ever expansive area without lines and limitations. So I called my business Hearts Frontier because I really thought 
of this idea of we are exploring what's on our hearts and then what lies in this great expanse beyond us, this wide open frontier that we actually don't know and haven't traversed yet. That is that is beautiful, actually. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> because it, it is, it is that it is we're creating the new the new era right now. Yes, we are bringing knowledge from eons and probably from even before Atlantis. And we're bringing it to this timeline, to this time, because it, it is time. But not everyone is ready and prepared that we have to do a lot of inner work. I have always have said, if you're alive in this timeline, you still have to work to do. Absolutely. Dalai Lama or Deepak Chopra, if they're alive in this timeline, is because we have work to do, but still. Absolutely. And about with someone else or with groups, that's beside the point. It is with us. Absolutely. And I don't think that work ends. And at a certain point, it feels less like work and more like coming back to yourself. I really do feel that, that the more you stare, these things that you're afraid of, darkness and shadows and maybe behaviors or habits or ways that you can be that you really don't like, the more that you see, okay, well, how is that holding me back from just being myself and being ourselves feels lighter than not being ourselves. So this, yes. Something that I do have to, I would like to also honor the, the shamanism uh, that I know. It is, yes. I have done tons of exorcisms to people. Mm. And probably that's why the tomorrow you, you manage shamanic uh, energy. It is, I don't want to call it shamanic energy. I'm just not afraid of it. Yes. And that's what I tell people when we talk about ghosts or spirits that they feel a presence with done many house blessings or again, shamanic work or mediumship as well. Right. Sometimes you're sort of talking between things and um, it is really all a part of what a shaman would do in a community. Right. Hey, uh, your, your grandmother wants to come in and tell you you've got to work on your your crafting or something. Right. Like they, they would come through and say some kind of message that would be important for that person um, in healing and healing ways. And so we still have that access. A lot of people think it's some special power or some other like gift that's totally not possible. Um, but when we call it something, we get scared of it. Mediumship, people get scared of, right? Psychic, they think, oh, you can hear my thoughts. Shamanic, they think demonic because that is what came through our world that it said, hey, this stuff is all bad, even though that's not true. But that was what we were told in many ways. But we do can hear the thoughts of others. <laughs> Let's be honest. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, you know, we can, we can hear, but at the same time, when, when we hear these thoughts, our judgment is so much less that the person who's scared that we're going to hear their thoughts, you know, I, I never want to say that I'm, you know, listening to someone's thoughts because they think all of their squirrely thoughts I care about. Right. And to be honest, they have so many thoughts. I actually couldn't catch them all. So I probably couldn't just read every single thought. And so it feels like not fair to validate that that's what I'm doing, but definitely they feel like I can. <laughs> what I tell people is like, don't try to hide things or, or lie to a, a psychic. Like, that's impossible to do. Yes. Like, sometimes we like, we don't want to fight or we don't want to waste energy on that. And we might ignore it, but we know the truth. You can tell any of my previous dates that I had one date, <laughs> my boyfriend actually one time who, this is really because it has to do with the mediumship. It was sort of an interesting story. He was quitting smoking 
I was really stressed out and hadn't, hadn't broken yet, but I wasn't the one to tell him to stop smoking. He decided on his own accord and I wasn't putting extra pressure. I just said, Oh, that's great. That's cool. And kind of let it be. I think smoking should be neutralized. All addictions, the more we can neutralize them, the less we sort of excitedly react to them anyway. So he goes off to school that day and I smell cigarette smoke throughout my house and I cannot explain it. I'm just pacing around my house going, why do I keep smelling cigarette smoke? And then this figure who I later understood was my grandfather came through holding a cigarette and we had this little chat. I've never gotten to connect with him before because he had passed on before I came into this world. And then I had, but in that meantime of pacing around my house, I had messaged my ex-boyfriend or my boyfriend at the time um, saying, Hey, did you smoke or something recently? I smell smoke around my house. He goes, well, why are you asking? I said, yeah, there's smoke, like smell somewhere around my house. And he gets home from school that day and he tells me, Hey, I, I didn't know how to tell you, but I actually did smoke and I just hadn't told you about it. And I was keeping it inside. I went, well, thanks for doing that. You brought my grandfather to me. <laughs> But it's, it is fascinating. And I mean, that's even, that was my first experience, I think, with clear aliens, with which is the scent, clear scent, bringing in something. Um, but yeah, it is, it is really fascinating. I think the amount of ways that um, <laughs> these doors open up over time too. Yes, I, I, I do have funny stories with the, with the smell. <laughs> and I'm, I am a smoker and uh, and I su don't supposed to technically uh, be very good in my smell. But, right, they uh, do say that. But, they say that smoking, you know, damages your, your scent, right? So to have a psychic they, awareness, yeah. <laughs> that's what I, they say, but, but I can smell intentions. Mm -hmm. And and it comes in different aromas. It comes like, like oh, sometimes I'm like, oh my God, what is this? Do I step in something or something? Yes. And it's very and it's the intention yes and it's, and it's not always the person sometimes you smell a putrid smell and then you go did that person smell no oh that was just me having a reaction or resistance like I remember hugging someone and we were in a toxic connection at the time and it smelled like I had just been sick to my stomach that's what it smelled like when I hugged them and there was no logical reason that should have been the case it made no sense I went in a couple more times and it still did the same thing but I know it wasn't I know it wasn't just some awful shirt or something like that, right? It is uh, fascinating. And, you know, um, from my aromatherapist background, they say that uh, scent is the most linked to memory. So that is um, the strongest sense that we actually have. So if we really were wanting to connect to things of the past, it makes sense that scent would come through. Yes. How do you work with people? Do you have groups or you have uh, programs? How do you work with people? I love working with people one-on-one -on -one in a really deeply intensive way because now I have all these skills. I love just pouring in directly one-to-one, -one, but I really have also very much enjoyed my group program, which is a four-month program I developed for highly sensitive empathic folks. It's called Empath Energetics. And so we go through, we teach energy and pendulums and intuition and opening up to how um, energy works and spirit work. We even do a little bit of journeying in that first month. It's a wild first month. <laughs> And then we do shadow work, light work, like I was saying, and then legacy work. We do lots of archetype study and I weave in all of my different healing tools at some point. Um, and it's really beautiful. I've run four rounds of it. So actually this year, I'm starting the fifth round of it. I feel really proud of that. Um, and I'd love to also, you know, deepen my practices with art and deepen um, into doing more retreats, intensive retreats where people can come visit. So that's why I'm moving 
to a retreat center for a little while and to get a feel for that. Um, and that's in Scotland. So um, if anyone you know, wants to follow as well, um, me online, then you'll see I am quite nomadic. It's a very different kind of lifestyle, um, but more and more normal these days, I think. So a little, a little more commonly accepted or at least understood. It is, but not for artists. That's a tough one for artists because we carry yes. a lot of our stuff. Use yes. Art materials. I thought on that, um, becoming a, a nomad and just thinking in my art materials like I can't. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I mean, I totally had this fear too. I went, how am I going to slow down and also have like have studio time or to just spend time creating? So I'm lucky this retreat center I'm moving to has an art studio and that I also could, I think with the way that I work, perhaps take maybe a month off a year and just be in creative or art projects as well. So it may be an all or nothing type of venture. I'm not really sure yet, but I guess that's uh, that's what life has to show me. Yes, and there's always something to learn from each experience we have. Every single one has made sense after the fact too, right? You don't always know why you're somewhere and then you figure it out <laughs> later. <laughs> yes, totally. Yeah, it's like say yes now. <laughs> hey, do you have a book or something that uh, uh, the people can, can read or... I have a YouTube. Um, I'm just getting into writing more. So um, I may get into that a little bit more fluently, but I love hanging out with people on YouTube and Instagram. Um, and I have lots of ways people can choose to work with me with the hypnotherapy, with Oracle work. And so there really is a lot to explore. And I just love connecting with people too. I think this journey of life is really long and vast. And I love every person I've had the joy of connecting with, even if for 10, 15 minutes. Um, and I always hope that, you know, maybe we'll all meet on a retreat someday because we just had these little connections. So um, I really do try to stay open and fluid. I am doing more speaking as well. So I guess YouTube or Instagram is really the easiest at this point. That is going to be awesome. I'm probably going to go to Scotland to see you. Yes, see. please. <laughs> yes, please. Come stay in the Highlands. I'm on a little hill and a caravan looking over a beautiful city and it's all natural and really, really excited, actually. Doesn't quite feel real yet. So <laughs> someone will have to pinch me when I'm at the airport. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. This has been really my pleasure to have you here. It's been I would love to talk to you. Do you have something else that you would like to add before we close? I'm just so thankful. I knew uh, as soon as I saw the name of your podcast that it was meant to be and that you um, would have such warm energy. And I just wanted to thank you for being one of my favorite um, podcast hosts that I've worked with thus far, um, just for really being able to chat about this stuff. It's so nice to have an open forum where you do understand context. And I was so happy to be here. So thank you very much. It's been my pleasure. And to all our viewers, and you want to follow Kate? I'm going to put the links down below so like that you can follow her in her own YouTube and also in Instagram. And you have Facebook, right? Yep, I've got a Facebook. I've got a Facebook and I'm over at the Side Chicks uh, Facebook group as well, if anyone's in that. So I can give you a bunch of look, uh, links and things to look through. So like that, you can maybe register in her program. You might be interested in that because it sounds very, very interesting, guys. So Empath she, Energetics, yes. Yes. Share it with your friends. If you resonate with you or not, it might resonate with one of your friends. So share yes. it. Share yeah. It. And if you know anyone who complains that other people's energy is really dragging them down, they are perfect for this program. <laughs> if they say <laughs> being an empath is a curse, perfect for this program. I'll show them how it's not that way. 
Thank you so much. This is Monica Ramirez, Warrior Love, and thank you for being in Soul Talk. Thank you for joining me today. I would love to share with you my transformational system, Path to the Heart, that I created just for you. Head over to monicaramirezwarrioflove.com and you will find free resources. In there, you can download a masterclass in how to stop being people pleaser and meditations to get you started.